hey, I'd like to introduce someone whose voice you've heard on the show before, and that is Chad. And we have a fantastic little YouTube raffle for you. Chad, what's it all about? Yes, we have an exciting opportunity coming up for you to be able to win a free ticket to meet the Masters coming up in March or a $500 travel allowance. Here's what you need to do to be able to win one of those things. We'll be selecting a winner on March 4th when the contest ends. And all you have to do is go to the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Jason Hartman Real Estate. Subscribe if you haven't already. Then pick any video to watch. There's a variety of categories, everything about real estate investing from finding the right markets, analyzing real estate deals, the economics of real estate investing, property management, financing. There's a whole wide range of videos that you can choose from and choose one that you think would be interesting to you. Watch it and then go to the comments section and comment just a quick one sentence comment on something that you learned from that video and make sure to include the hashtag JHLive in the comment and that will enter you into this raffle. Okay, so that's real easy. You just go to youtube.com slash Jason Hartman Real Estate, subscribe to the channel and then watch any video you like and make a comment below the video of one thing you learned, include the hashtag JHLive, and that will enter you in the raffle to win a free ticket to meet the Masters or a $500 travel allowance. This ends on March 4th, so be sure to get it done before March 4th. We look forward to seeing you at Meet the Masters. Thanks for joining us, Chad. Thanks. Welcome to this week's edition of Flashback Friday, your opportunity to get some good review by listening to episodes from the past that Jason has handpicked to help you today in the present and propel you into the future. Enjoy. Welcome to the Holistic Survival Show with Jason Hartman. The economic storm brewing around the world is set to spill into all aspects of our lives. Are you prepared? Where are you going to turn for the critical life skills necessary to survive and prosper? The Holistic Survival Show is your family's insurance for a better life. Jason will teach you to think independently, to understand threats, and how to create the ultimate action plan. Sudden change or worst case scenario, you'll be ready. Welcome to Holistic Survival, your key resource for protecting the people, places, and profits you care about in uncertain times. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Jason Hartman. Welcome to today's show. This is Jason Hartman, your host. And as you may or may not know, every 10th show, we kind of do a special tradition here that originated with my Creating Wealth show, where we do a topic that is actually off topic on purpose, something just to do with general life and more successful living. And that's exactly what we're going to do today with our special guest. Again, 10th show is off topic, and it is very much intentional just for personal and Richmond, and I hope you enjoy today's show. And we will be back with our guest in just a moment. It's my pleasure to welcome Alexander Green to the show. He is the Chief Investment Strategist at Investment U and Director of the Oxford Club. He's also the author of a New York Times bestseller, as well as a couple of other books. And the New York Times bestseller, his most famous book, I believe, is The Gone Fishing Portfolio, which is a great title. Also, The Secret of Shelter Island and Beyond Wealth, The Roadmap to a Rich Life. Alexander, welcome. How are you? 
I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Well, the pleasure is all mine. Tell us about your books. And I guess Gone Fishing Portfolio was the first one, right? Yes, it was. And and that is a uh, a 20 minute per year investment strategy, you say? Well, the Gone Fishing Portfolio is, is actually a, a philosophy of investing, a strategy for investing, and a very particular portfolio. And uh, if you'd like, I'll explain how it works. Please do. Okay. Uh, it starts with the basic premise that no one can tell you with any certainty what lies ahead for the economy or the stock market or interest rates or currencies and commodity prices. There's a lot of people who are paid an awful lot of money to prognosticate about those things. In fact, I work with a company that's full of investment gurus who have lots of opinions to share, but no one truly knows. And so the idea behind this is no one can tell you uh, exactly what to do with your money except in in the luxury of hindsight. And so what is a strategy that you can use that gives you the st- statistically highest chance of beating inflation and earning a decent return on your money over time with a very low probability of failure? And it's this particular portfolio that I've put together, and I'll explain why it gives such a high, a high uh, probability of success. I think it was Patrick Henry back in the American Revolution says, I know no way of judging the future but by the past. All types of assets, stocks, large and small stocks, foreign stocks, bonds, inflation-adjusted treasuries, real estate, gold, all have long-term historical returns. And they tend to be remarkably persistent. You, you can have big bull markets in stocks and big mar- bull markets in bonds, but eventually things start to revert to the mean, and assets give a very stable return over long periods of time. So what this portfolio does is it just suggests that you invest in 10 different asset classes. When I say asset classes, I'm talking about different types of financial assets that don't all move in the same direction at the same time, like large and small stocks and foreign stocks and high-grade bonds and junk bonds and inflation-adjusted treasuries and so forth. And you simply hold these in an index form, either through an ETF, exchange-traded fund, or through a a very low-cost Vanguard fund. And then once a year, you rebalance them. And you rebalance so that you're, you're selling what's highest and buying what's lowest. It actually makes you buy buy low and sell high because that's how the strategy works. So this was something I think that was you know, the, the, the public was ready for. The book uh, went to number one on Amazon the first week. It hit the New York Times bestseller list uh, the next week. Uh, the editors at Amazon chose it as one of the top business and investment books of the year, and it's been translated into several foreign languages. So the idea is that you can manage your money yourself without using a professional money manager do very well and spend no more than 20 minutes a year doing it because all you do is set the portfolio and rebalance it once a year and the rest of the time you're encouraged to go fishing. That's why it's, that's why it's called the gun fishing portfolio. There you go. There you go. Well, you know, I certainly agree with you that a lot of this philosophy of speculation just it, it's it's just killing investors, I think. They're all looking to hit the home run and they they get so moved by these sort of sexy stories, oh, this is going to be the next big thing. And I just don't find that that philosophy ever really works over time. You see these people over the years who talk and think like that, whether it be in business or with their investment portfolio. And it, it just reminds me of the, the the sports way of thinking there. You know, it's, it's, it's really sexy to hit home runs, but the people who always seem to really win over the long term are the people who consistently hit singles and doubles and maybe a triple here and there. And, it, and it's not as, you don't get the fanfare, it doesn't have the sexiness, it doesn't have the exhilarating ride to it, but it works. And, and that's a simple strategy, isn't it? Right. 
Right. Well, you're absolutely right about that. And, and let me just say that I've, I've known a lot of people. I was formerly a money manager for 16 years, and I dealt with a lot of people who came to me and looking at what they'd done with their portfolios, they were basically hin- handling their, their life savings like it was chips in a poker game. And the, the thing is, I try to tell people that investment success is not about following the right predictions. It's about following the right principles. And the principles of investment are well known. It's just that most people don't have any vested interest in, in bringing them to you so you can do it on your own. They'd rather manage your money, sell you a newsletter, have you invest in their fund or whatever. But, but I often tell uh, audiences that there are six things and six things only that will determine the future value of your investment portfolio, and they are the amount of money that you save, the length of time you let it compound, your asset allocation, which is how you divide the money up into different types of, of securities, the individual securities that you select, the expenses that you pay, and the taxes you absorb. And those things will determine the future value of your portfolio. So what you should be really doing is saving as much as you can, leaving it alone for as long as you can, minimizing your taxes and expenses, and asset allocating your portfolio properly. And that's exactly the topic that I cover in the book. And when you say saving, I just want to make the distinction for our listeners, that doesn't mean saving money in a bank where you're getting killed after inflation and taxes. It means saving in order to invest. Right. Yeah, you you can't invest money until you've saved it. And when I say saving, I'm saying living beneath your means so that you then have money to put to work. Uh, and you mentioned the people doing crazy speculations and things. It doesn't have to be an either-or proposition. If, as long as you take the bulk of your money and do something practical with it, something sensible, something that's based on proven principles, and then if you want to take a little bit of money and open an online brokerage account and trade some shares of this and jump in and out of that with a small portion of your portfolio, that's fine. Go, go for the home run with a small portion of your portfolio, but make sure that you're not looking at retiring with in a in, in a style to which you don't want to become accustomed, uh, that you can put your kids through college, that you can afford to retire, that you can leave something behind if that's what you want to do to your kids or your favorite charity, and that means handling things in a in a a sensible, straightforward, principled way. Your book and, and your background is, you know, a securities-oriented Wall Street type of background. And as, as you know from our very quick discussion before we started today, I like income property so much. And one of the things I, I like about it, other than the, the multidimensional nature of it and the great tax benefits, et cetera, and the, the direct control being a direct investor rather than relying on somebody else, whether it be, you know, a brokerage firm or a CEO of a company or a board of directors. There's so many like middlemen in there. But one of the things I love about it from a a more psychological standpoint is that it has this illiquidity to it. And most people say, stock people say, I love stocks because I can go online and with a click of a mouse, I can trade, you know, a huge portfolio and be in and out of a position in, in seconds. And I think that's that right there is the very defect of stocks because liquidity, first of all, creates volatility. But second of all, the good old-fashioned nature of income property is that it's this staid, illiquid, slow-moving, tortoise-and-hare type of asset class. At the very least, 
it is a forced savings program because it's not that easy to tap into the equity of it. You can't do it with a click of a mouse. It's there and every month it just sort of chugs along and the, the tenants pay down your debt and, and so forth and, and you outsource your debt to someone else. And I think that philosophy very much agrees with the gone fish and portfolio in that in that it's it's kind of a value investment strategy and it just makes people just sort of do the non-speculative thing, doesn't it? Well, you're right about that. And and I, there's certainly been huge fortunes created in this country by people doing exactly what you're talking about. And I think if people often they approach the stock market more with the, the attitude that they bring to real estate, which is I'm in this for the longer term, five years or longer, they would do very well. In fact, Warren Buffett often says, you know, when you buy a company, you should feel so good about it that if they close the stock market down for five years, it wouldn't bother you in the least. So you're right that that sort of you know jumping in and out all the time that that's really more entertainment than investing. Right? Yeah, yeah, or it gambling. is. Gambling. It's, it's it's really not a that's not a any any way to to try to handle your 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 life savings or or accumulate a substantial nest egg. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. One of my friends is he keeps talking to me about this very swanky high-rise condo that he wants to buy in Montreal, Canada, and keep trying to talk him out of it because I said this is not an investment. This property does not make sense today. And if it does not make sense today, you're banking on something happening over which you have no control whatsoever in the future. And you're being a speculator. And so we kept writing back and forth about this. And ultimately, he says, investing is a gamble. And I wrote back and I said, no, it's not a gamble. It's actually quite reliable. You know, when you invest for income, whether it be dividends in stocks or cash flow in real estate or income property, that is not a gamble. It's, it's actually quite reliable. The sort of Buffett philosophy and the gone fish and portfolio philosophy of buy it, buy good assets and hold them and let them do their thing over time and let time and inflation be your friend rather than your enemy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just amazing. Why do people, why do you speculate, Alexander, that people have this gambling mentality? Is it just, you know, everybody's looking for the quick fix that or is it our instant gratification, well, you know, it, microwave, I, I fast food I culture? Because, <laughs> yeah. because I've, I've dealt with hundreds of investors back when I was in the, in the business versus a stockbroker and later as a money manager. I can tell you, number one, that there are people who are exceedingly overconfident. Maybe they're really good at what they do, and they think they can take that success and transfer it to the stock market. I, I can tell you that, for instance, doctors who tend to be very smart, educated individuals are often the worst investors because they, they're, they're simply overconfident. They think they're smarter than the market, or they think they've got some kind of a strategy that's that's going to be very effective, and they often don't. Another reason that, that many people are speculating is that they, they don't want to do the hard work of saving. They don't want to live beneath their means. They want to take a small amount of money and turn it into a huge amount of money. And, and uh, that's just not a realistic way to approach the market. And, and what they end up with is no small amount of money because, as we know from the, the online trading craze back in the late 90s with the Internet stocks and so on, that while it can be very good in the short term, it's, it's not an approach to the market that's going to show sustained results over the longer term. It kind of reminds me of Stephen Covey, the late Stephen Covey, great you know, author, great thinker. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with his work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, love, I love his work. And, you know, I had the opportunity to meet him actually in Russia years ago. We were on a cruise together. He was on the same cruise ship. And, and I get to talk to him. And the seven habits of highly effective people concept that he talks about in his books, which we both read, he talks about urgency addiction. And I think the gambler's mentality is kind of an urgency addiction 
addiction mentality. It's very similar in many ways, where people, they love that high, that emotional roller coaster, even when it's down. They just like it because they think, okay, I got to go in and I got to manage this, and I got to figure it out, and I got to be the hero and come in and save the day. And <laughs> it's, it's, just, it, it's just crazy. No, it, it is. And, and I, I tell you, when you say addiction, there, there are people who have a gambling addiction. And, uh, and I tell you what, if you, if you take that to the stock market, you can find that it's, it's, it makes an, an Ivy League education look uh, inexpensive. Right. Because, <laughs> uh, it, it's often been said that it, investing done right is a little bit on the boring side. Because uh, if you want your excitement, go to Las Vegas, go to Atlantic City, go to Churchill Downs. But, but, <laughs> but don't think that you're going to, to just jump in and out of stocks willy-nilly and, and achieve your financial goals. That's just a wildly unrealistic approach to the financial markets. Yeah, yeah. So the value investing philosophy, I, I definitely agree with that. Buy good assets, hold them for the long term. And like you say, Warren Buffett said, if the stock market shuts down for five years and you still own stock in this company, you shouldn't be bothered by that because you, you bought a good asset and you're holding it to produce income over time. By the way, speaking of that, just before we get on to your next books, your other books, I want to talk about those, but dividend versus non-dividend paying stocks. I assume you're a, a dividend income oriented guy. I, I recommend dividend stocks and non-dividend paying stocks if if there is often a company's early growth stages they're growing so fast and they have such a demand for the cash that they're generating that they aren't able to pay out a dividend and those can still be very effective investments I mean, a perfect example is apple which which only recently instituted a dividend but uh, under under uh, extreme pressure to do so by the way yeah yeah, yeah well they're sitting on a ton of cash and the shareholders are saying you have to do something with that money but yes, the dividend-paying stocks historically have been the best-performing sector of the stock market over the long term. And, and the reason is a dividend shows that a company is profitable, that they're mature, that they have a reliable recurring stream of revenue that they can pay out to shareholders. And if they have a history of raising that dividend over time, you know, people often complain that yields are so low, money markets are paying nothing, treasury bonds are at all-time record lows. And stock yields aren't that high in most cases either, although you can get 5 and 6% with companies like Verizon and AT&T and, and so forth. And if they raise that dividend over time, you could be looking at a substantially higher income 5, 10, 20 years down the road when you're retired. And that's what makes the, the difference. I'll never forget back when I was in the money management industry, I had this woman who owned an oil stock and it was yielding about 3%. And at the time, I told her, I said, you know, if you said, you're income-oriented, I can show you some stocks that pay a much higher dividend than 3%. And she said, son, <laughs> this is early in my career, and I knew that when an older investor called me son, and it was, it was going to be a teachable moment, she goes, she goes, son, that stock is paying 3% based on what it's trading for now. Based on what I paid for the stock, the annual dividend is more than my original investment. <laughs> so... It just goes to show overseas, of course, she'd owned it for 30 years and the, and the dividend had gone up and up and up and that she was getting a, a yield effectively 100% of what she'd put into it with a very conservative oil stock. So that's the the power that you have when you buy value and you're, you're receiving a stream of dividends over time. That's a fair point that she makes calling you son back in the old days. But the only thing you could have said is, well, just be sure you consider inflation in there. And that's been three decades, True. and I'm sure it's True. been pretty pretty severe. So it's not quite as good as you might think. But good. Well, your other two books are a collection of essays where you talk about how to live a rich life, what is beyond the money aspect of it. And tell us about those. All right, well, my most recent book is Beyond Wealth, The Roadmap to a Rich Life. 
And I, I wrote these two books, which are both collections of essays about what many of the wisest people who've ever lived have said about how to live. And when I say the wisest people, I'm talking about Aristotle, Plato, Jesus, Buddha, Thomas Jefferson, Albert Einstein, Stephen Hawking. And I started writing these essays, which have probably become the most popular thing that I do now, because I was, I was at a conference in Phoenix a few years ago, and uh, we haven't talked about the investment letter I write, but it's called the Oxford Club Communique, and it's actually rated among the, the top few news, investment newsletters in the, in the country over, over more than 10 years by the independent Hulbert Financial Digest. And so we'd had a lot of success with our portfolio in the newsletter, and this gentleman came up to me in the lobby after I spoke, and he said, money, 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 money. He goes, you've made me a lot of money over the years, but let me just ask, do you ever think about anything else? And I, I thought he was kidding me at first, but he just stood there looking at me. It was a serious question. And I, I remember asking myself, I'd only just met this fellow, and, although he was a regular reader of mine, why he thought I didn't think about anything but money. And then it dawned on me suddenly that, that I write three or 400 columns a year, and every one of them is about stocks and bonds and interest rates and currencies and commodities and GDP growth and so forth. And he thought that I just marinated in financial data all day, every day, and that was my whole life, which, of course, it's not. But I went back to my publisher, and I said to her, you know, I think we have an audience that thinks that we're just obsessed with making money and, and material goods. And I said, I think we should write something uh, about about how to live a richer life. And she she's signed off on it. And so I began writing this column called Spiritual Wealth, which is not, it's, I, I meant spiritual in the sense of, of not material wealth. All the, all the things that you have that you can put a price tag on, your stock portfolio, your bank account, the equity in your house, and so on, that's all material wealth. And everything that you have that you can't put a price on, your health, your family, your interests, you know, the leaves changing in the fall, the sunset at the beach, whatever, I call those things spiritual wealth. And so I started writing about um, living a richer life. And it became very popular, and so we compiled these essays that I've written into two books. The first was um, The Secret of Shelter Island, Money and What Matters, and the next was Beyond Wealth. And they, they too, were both national bestsellers. And I, I have to say that while I'm proud of the investment advice I've given, I've gotten more positive response from those, those essays than anything else that I've done. Yeah, good. Well, talk more about living a rich life. I mean, specifically, what are the what are the tips in there and in both books on on doing so? Well, let me let me talk about first about the secret of Shelter Island. Shelter Island is a, is a beautiful little island just off of Long Island, which is very tony high high net worth individuals live there. And the story is uh, that uh, Kurt Vonnegut, the the author, uh, was with Joseph Heller, who's also the author of Catch Twenty Two, and they were at a, a party given by a a hedge fund manager who was extraordinarily successful. So they're walking around this estate that has an, est, an east wing and a west wing and these huge gardens and so forth. And Vonnegut turns to Joseph Heller and he says, he says, Joseph, how does it make you feel to know that this guy makes more money in one week than you've made in your entire career, even with all the success of Catch-22? And Heller says, yeah, well, I have something he'll never have. Enough. <laughs> And he meant that in the sense that there are so many people out there who are constantly thinking that they have to make more, have more, spend more, display more, that the trappings of wealth are, are become obsessive to them. Uh, and yet, when people look back on their lives, you can interview people in a nursing home or people lying on their deathbeds, and what matters is your family, your friends, your health, having interests you enjoy, whether that's 
playing golf or traveling or you know taking your grandkids to a minor league baseball game, whatever. And those are the things that really matter in your life. And so what I've done in these various essays is I've just talked about various people's thoughts on what it means to, to live a rich life. And, and it's pretty amazing to think uh, that Thomas Jefferson and Albert Einstein and, uh, and Stephen Hawking and so forth have all put forward their own thoughts about how you can live a richer life. And so each essay is just sort of a different point of view. Uh, I don't claim to have all the answers myself, but, you know, human beings have had a couple thousand years to think about what it is to live the good life, and the best answers to the questions are not new. So it's it's just sort of a survey of, of what the wisest people who've lived think about how best to live. Well, certainly one part of it is not to stress about your investments, right? <laughs> You didn't mention that one, so I wanted to throw it in. (laughs) If you're stressing about your investments, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. Well, very, very good stuff. So where can people find out more and get your books? They're on Amazon, of course, but do you have a direct website? Uh, We do. From an investment standpoint, uh, the best website is probably www.oxfordclub.com. And then from for these ideas about how to live a richer life, www.spiritualwealth.com. And then the books, uh, the investment book is The Gone Fishing Portfolio. And the two books about how to live a richer life are The Secret of Shelter Island and then more recently, Beyond Wealth. Fantastic. Well, good stuff. Well, Alexander Green, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. I'd be happy to do it again. You know, sometimes I think of Jason Hartman as a walking encyclopedia on the subject of creating wealth. Well, you're probably not far off from the truth, Penny, because Jason actually has a three-book set on creating wealth that comes with 60 digital download audios. Yes, Jason has that unique ability to make you understand investing the way it should be. It's a world where anything less than 26% annual return is disappointing. I love how he actually shows us how we can be excited about these scary times and exploit the incredible opportunities this present economy has afforded us. We can pick local markets untouched by the economic downturn, exploit packaged commodities investing, and achieve exceptional returns safely and securely. I also like how he teaches you to protect the equity in your home before it disappears and how to outsource your debt obligations to the government. And the entire set of advanced strategies for wealth creation is being offered at a savings of $94. That's right. And to get your Creating Wealth Encyclopedia series, complete with over 60 hours of audio and three books, just go to jasonhartman.com forward slash store. If you want to be able to sit back and collect checks every month, just like a banker, Jason's Creating Wealth Encyclopedia series is for you. Thank you for joining us today for the Holistic Survival Show, protecting the people, places, and profits you care about in uncertain times. Be sure to listen to our Creating Wealth Show, which focuses on exploiting the financial and wealth creation opportunities in today's economy. Learn more at www.jasonhartman.com or search Jason Hartman on iTunes. 
This show is produced by the Hartman Media Company, offering very general guidelines and information. Opinions of guests are their own, and none of the content should be considered individual advice. If you require personalized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. Information deemed reliable, but not guaranteed.